Relevant content for our members by our members. This is TMC Connect. All right. Good afternoon, everybody. Rich Swarbinski with the Mortgage Collaborative here for the last week in mortgage today. And uh, as always, co-hosting one of our lender members. I kind of handpick every week. And this week, I am super thrilled to have the Chief Operating Officer of Loan People, Aaron D. is my co-host. Aaron, thank you for joining me. My pleasure. So before we get into the Super Bowl, and I know you're a Tampa Bay Buccaneers fan, so uh, I want to get some expanded thoughts there. Um, a really cool story, Lone People, and just a little backstory. I remember I first saw you speak at a motivity conference, like, I don't know, five or six years ago. I was just super impressed by you. And uh, we kind of connected, and uh, you've worked for a couple TMC members now, but uh, uh, went over to Lone People. And, you know, I've talked before about our kind of like strategic approach to growth where, you know, quality over quantity. And we're, a lot of times we're recruiting people more than we are companies because we know great people can do great things with great companies. And that was clearly the case here when I saw you went over there and want to thank you for joining TMC. And why don't you tell everybody a little bit about Loan People because the story is cool. Yeah, absolutely. So in 2018, towards the end of the year, I was approached by a local originator who is a top originator, uh, Max Lehman. Um, he approached me and he said, hey, I think I want to I want to do this. I think I want to start a new company and you're kind of the person I hear is the, the person to talk to. And, you know, I was very happy at my prior organization. I, I loved them. They're a great company and treated people well. And so, you know, it, it really was kind of a tough discussion. We, we, we talk, spent a good six months talking about it. And then, you know, I finally decided to, to take the plunge and left my prior job in May of 2019 and spent the rest of that year setting up the company from the back end, are putting in our LOS, putting in our investors, warehouse banks, all that kind of thing. And, he joined me with our production January 3rd of 2020, and we just hit the ground running. So 2020 was, you know, you know, what a start a mortgage company. It should be a good, easy, easy year to do it, right? Uh, so we spent the whole year, you know, battling not only just being a startup and trying to, you know, get our legs under underneath us, um, but obviously the same thing that everyone else dealt with in, in the industry and. It was very rewarding. We're extremely lucky as an organization or as an industry to to have faced the tailwinds that w- that we did last year, and, and it really was good for all of us. Uh, you know, loan people included. We we did um, you know over uh, over half a billion in originations our first year, so it was it was really a really a good one. That's awesome. Uh, yeah. For those that are just jumping on, uh, it's the last week of mortgage today. Uh, Rich Torbinski with the Mortgage Collaborative. I am joined by Aaron D, the Chief Operating Officer of Loan People out of Austin, Texas. And uh, Aaron, I know you're a Tampa Bay Bucks fan. Grew up in Florida, went to UCF. Uh, Got to be super stoked about this Sunday. Uh, that's an understatement. I am pumped beyond belief for this game. It's going to be such such a great one. Should be a great game. Three point point spread, the greatest of all time versus the heir apparent. Two really great quarterbacks. So we were talking before we kind of went live here. It's going to be so many TVs with no, you know, big Super Bowl parties. Uh, uh, you know, my guess is that whatever the cost, the astronomical cost of commercials, even more astronomical this year. And there's probably going to be, we know already there's going to be some mortgage commercials. So, I mean, you know, it's Quicken and UWM and their whole, their whole Michigan rivalry with the dueling commercials now. And, uh, you know, I I can't go five minutes without seeing a Lone Depot commercial. My guess is they'll be, they'll be in the mix somewhere as well. 
But uh, any thoughts about, you know, you've worked for a few different really prominent kind of medium-sized independent mortgage banks. Uh, you know, somebody in your role running one of those companies, uh, what, are, what, are you, what are your thoughts when you see these, these big mortgage companies just getting bigger and bigger and bigger and going public and scaling? I mean, does that give you trepidation? Does it make you proud for the IMB fraternity? How do you view that? You know, I, I think any company that makes it to the point where, where they've become so successful that they go public, you have to put your hat off to them and say, great job. I mean, you, you obviously ran a company that was profitable, that investors want, um, and, and so you can't take that away from them. That's not my jam personally. You know, I like the smaller to mid-sized company because I think when you go public and now it's, you're beholden to this whole group of investors, and I think it, I think it has a big change in culture that I, I'm not sure is super positive, but I think that'll that will, will, you know, bear itself out. Um, but I'm super proud of them. I think it's great. I think, you know, 2020, if you're going to get it, if you're going to make that move in the mortgage business, 2020, 2021 is definitely the year to do it. You're going to look really great to investors. Just hope those investors understand the cyclical nature of the business long-term. Um, you know, that's my biggest concern with that is, is, you know, are these people that are investing in the company going to have proper understanding of what the business is? Um, but like I said, I think, I think it's great. I think, I think more power to them. I do think that, you know, in order to hit those profits, I think I think it is going to impact those of us private. You know, the smaller IMBs. I do think there will be an impact to uh, long term. Um, we'll see what that looks like from a competitive standpoint. But you know, all in all, I really believe in the IMB, and I believe in the power of you know the local regional IMBs who really understand their communities to be able to serve them, especially when you're you're purchase market driven and when you really can understand the market that you're in. I think that really helps set us up for success. It's going to be very interesting to see how it plays out. You know, not a lot of mortgage companies that like don't service or do other things. Obviously, a lot of the big money center banks that are big mortgage lenders are public. Uh, Mr. Cooper, Penny Mac, public companies. But uh, there have not been to this point mortgage companies that don't service that are, you know, to a large degree, middlemen uh, that have gone public and, you know, how Wall Street's going to receive that. And yeah. uh, it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. Uh, one of one of many, many interesting things to follow here uh, in 2021. So Yeah, and if I can give a quick uh, plug really quick, the, the 2020 Texas Mortgage Bankers Association, 2021, our annual convention, um, we're actually going to have a panel that specifically discusses the IBs and, and the IPOs. So it's, it's definitely a big topic um, on everybody's minds. Nice. Are you guys still doing it at that JW in San Antonio? That, uh... Uh, no. Uh, so this year, well, <laughs> uh, still the plan is for uh, to do it in Fort Worth. And it's actually, it's the first time in a long time we've done it in Fort Worth. We're really excited. Our president, Jim Clapp, is from there. So uh, we're, we're hopefully still going to do it. Yeah, we love him and we're really excited about it. And when is that? Uh, May. Oh my gosh, you're on the spot. It's the beginning of May. I'll get you the dates, but uh, it's the beginning of May this year. So um, it's, we've got, you know, we've got Dave Stevens that's going to come and, and talk to us. It's going to be great. We're doing, you know, you know, obviously 2020 rehashes. Hey, how did this impact? How did you, you change your business as a result of COVID? So a lot of good topics. I'll get you the dates. I'm sorry. It just completely escaped me off the top of my head. <laughs> I'm a co-chair. You'd think I'd know that. <laughs> <laughs> no big deal. And Rob Crisman uh, puts in the chat, 30 seconds of airtime during the CBS broadcast of the Super Bowl, going for nearly 5.6 million for a 30 second ad spot. So um, crazy. Yeah. And a good, good time to remind everybody uh, any questions, comments, anything, please. We are always laid back low key and interactive. Anything we're doing here with TMC. So any questions, comments, thoughts, anybody has for Aaron or myself, please feel free to uh, pump them in the chat or the Q and a, 
and we will voice them aloud. So, uh, all right, let's get into the uh, news headlines. And I see right away in the Q&A a question about the new CFPB. I think it's the number one thing on the majority of mortgage lenders' minds right now. Um, you know, I think the tea leaves are pretty clear here that we are going back to at least Richard Cordray levels um, of CFPB oversight, a, a big departure uh, from what we've had the last four years. And uh, before I get into any specific questions, just your initial thoughts on, uh, you know, this whole direction that we're going to be going in from a regulatory standpoint. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's definitely a bit of whipsaw for us, right? I mean, so like you said, we had the Cordray, uh, you know, Obama administration and then going into Trump and the the Bureau kind of converted to being more of what I personally feel uh, a regulator should be, which is more collaborative and working with us to try to make sure we're doing things in the right, in the right spirit and the right guys, but but without being punitive, right? Um it's clear that that is changing. I mean, you know, the, one of Biden's first things that he did was got rid of, of Kathy. So, um, you know, I, I, it's very clear when you go and do any kind of any amount of research on the new, the, the nominee for the head of CFPB, it's everything. I, I think I read the word aggressive, you know, 15 times in bios about him. That's how people describe him aggressive. He goes after it's punitive, um, you know, litigious. Uh, you know, we read all that. So so we're going away from that, like, at least it appears to be that we're going away from that. Hey, let's collaborate and make sure that we're working together as a regulator and as a, you know, as an industry to that, like, oversight bureaucracy, we're going to get you and slap you on the wrist kind of thing. So, you know, and obviously as an industry, we want to be doing things the right way, but we also want to make sure that our regulator is not out to get us and not to, to you know, more help make sure we understand and follow the rules the way we should be. Yeah, I was talking with Rob Crisman about this on the rundown this past Friday. You know, overall, God, our industry is so much more compliant than it ever has been by great multiples. Yeah. Uh, that said, you know, I, I think the thing that frustrated all of us about the former iteration of the CFPB was just, you know, mortgage industry has consistently said, we, we will play by the rules. We just got to know what the rules are. Yeah. Um, and it's always not that cut and dry, especially when it comes to RESPA. Uh, you know, and uh, marketing services agreements and that very impact. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's just a very, it's a very fine line between, you know, paying a real estate brokerage to, you know, be able to market to and have desk space and offices and things like that and uh, not have it all be about referrals and all the things you need to do to, to make sure uh, that you're compliant there. Um, but I saw the the interim director of CFPB. I forget the guy's name, uh, but I read a column about he kind of came out and laid out what the focus of the bureau is going to be. And, uh, you know, the things that he immediately touched on were servicers, uh, especially mm-hmm. yep. uh, service, servicing things related to, um, you know, borrowers and forbearance and making sure that they have all the rights afforded to them in the CARES Act. Uh, and then fair lending, which uh, just, you know, I've been talking about this. My, my prediction is this is going to be a, the biggest area of focus for this new CFPB. Uh, our depository lenders, the mortgage collaborative, already having to deal with fair lending audits, um, you know, making sure they're not redlining and being beholden to um, lending in areas where they have uh, borrowing footprint. And um, I, I think you're really going to see that be a focus of uh, this new version of the CFPB. Any, you know, it, it just from your seat, um, as it relates to fair lending, 
Um, your, your thoughts there and, and things that could be coming down the pike to independent mortgage bankers. Yeah, I mean, you know, and it's not just with the CFPB, right? I mean, with with Marsha Fudge getting nominated yesterday uh, for HUD secretary as well. I mean, it's it's clear that that you know across the board, like you said, with this administration, it's going to be a big focus. And so it's something that us as lenders, we've got to be looking at it. We've got to make sure that we're using the data and analytics available to us. Make sure that we're understanding the rules, that we're making decisions that that are not going to get us into trouble. So you know, I think that is definitely going to be there. And what that really ultimately is going to lead to for us is. We are going to have to have, you know, more safeguards, more, more, more software, more, more people looking at things, and I think it's just going to lead to, obviously, increased costs overall. I think it's going to have a negative impact on rates as, as well, but it's definitely something that's going to be there for us, um, you know, and and really, really just all the things. Honestly, like I'm just kind of looking at all the things that I know that they're going to go after and that they're going to start, um, you know trying to to regulate us even more on servicing is really honestly something I feel is is the biggest one. I think with everything that went through with COVID, with like you said, all of the forbearances, I really think servicing um, is going to be a massive, massive focus for them. Um, and I think it's not going to be just the fair lending piece, but I think servicing is going to get a really, really big, um, you know, awakening with the new CFPB. Absolutely. Um, with Aaron D, the COO of Loan People out of Austin, Texas, here with the last week in Mortgage Today. And uh, Aaron, you guys are based out of Austin, Texas, which is obviously just yeah. an emerging, cool city. Uh, I know you guys are doing a lot of your volume there. Um, and one of the things I love about you is you are like a data and a tech nerd. And uh, I mean, so like, you know, somebody that does a lot of their lending in one big market, you know, the demographics of Austin, right? And, um, you know, the direction that the CFPB could be going with independent mortgage bankers is like, like your application mix should look at least somewhat like the demographics of the communities that you represent. But you made a good point. I think data and technology is going to make that a lot, being in compliance with that a lot easier. I remember back in my banking days, like these archaic like uh what they called them but they were maps of you know uh that showed different like income pockets and i'm the bank people are probably laughing at me right now because i'm forgetting (laughs) but um data and analytics is going to make it much easier to be compliant right yeah, absolutely. I mean, I I don't understand how people like who didn't have really good BI and really good software did it before. I mean, it's insane. I, I guess you just hired a lot more people. But yeah, it's absolutely massive. But the good thing is, is the tools that we have available to us now is you can look on real time dashboards and see where where your application's coming from, making sure you're in all the right MSAs, making sure that your rate spread is where it needs to be. So and, and, you know, even just go through all of the, the Honda software that's available to us now that has just really great tools to help us get ahead of that. You know, there you can do, you know, we're going to have to do uh, fair lending self-assessments, but all the technology is there for us to make it easy on us. So we just have to make sure we're actually paying attention to it. And it's not one of those things that just goes to the wayside. Oh, we'll do it next quarter. We'll look at it next quarter. It's something that you've got to have somebody dedicated to and with their eyes on on a real-time basis year round. Um, and. You know, some other news headlines this week, uh, one was the average purchase loan amount, a re- another record high, 395200 Uh Case-Shiller, which is the large home value index, indicated that home values went up 9.5% year over year in November. Those are obviously both big numbers. You're in Austin, Texas. That is an emerging market. Have you seen values just skyrocketing in Austin as a mortgage lender in the city? Uh, how do you view that? It's insane, honestly. We know we are seeing into Texas specifically. 
uh, a lot of an exodus from California of a lot of technology companies specifically. And so we not only have our normal market that's just on fire, but we are getting, you know, people from other states, mostly California, coming to move here as well. And so what you're seeing is is you're literally seeing home scenarios where the sellers are getting 70, 80 offers over a weekend. I mean, it's absolutely insane. Um, you know, if you you finding a house in, in the Austin Austin area for, you know, less than $400,000, it's been on the market for more than a few days. There's something seriously wrong with that house, right? Um, it's, it's just absolutely on fire. We're seeing, you know, purchase prices just going up, people coming in and offering 100 plus thousand over lists just to try to get the house. Um, you know, and that's obviously having an impact on us from the investor side. You know, I'm not, you know, Fannie Mae just recently came out with their lender letter regarding, you know, the importance of, of due diligence on reviews and uh, aggregators are talking a lot more about CU scores and, you know, they're not what they won't buy and what they require at certain CU scores. And when you're in a market like Austin and other areas that are seeing the appreciation we're having, we have those high risk scores, right? So then that affects, okay, well, how are we underwriting and how are we making sure that we have collateral that is secure, collateral that we, is marketable to our investors as well. So it's, you know, it's not just seeing the prices go up, but it's also, okay, well, you know, how are we as a lending industry able to, to manage that and keep sanity around it as well? Good segue to a question that we got in the Q&A. And uh, any questions, comments, anybody has, uh, please feel free to drop them in the chat or the Q&A. Uh, the question is, uh, Aaron, early last year, there was concern about COVID forbearances leading to a high amount of EPD and buybacks. Is there any chatter about an increase in lender buybacks? Not that I've heard thus far. I'm going to knock on wood on that one. Um, you know, we haven't seen it. Now, granted, a lot, at least the lenders that I spoke to, we tried to move really fast and be really, really careful about it. And, you know, 24-hour VOEs before closing, signing COVID attestations, just training our customers, basically. So it hasn't borne out just yet, but that doesn't mean that it's it's not coming. And I really hope it doesn't. Like you said earlier, you know, we've just really worked hard as an industry to be compliant and to to play by the rules and to make sure that we weren't putting people in loans into situations that was bad for them, especially if their employment was in trouble. So um, I'm hoping not, but could. All in all, I, I keep going back to this, really. The, the mortgage industry today is so much smarter, so much sharper, so much more compliant as a whole. I just And I think that was borne out, really, uh, when the pandemic really hit hard in mid-March. I mean, I remember our members, it was like a week after all that went down, you know, still in March that we're jumping on Zoom calls together, talking about things like you just mentioned, like things that they were doing, uh, sharing strategies on how to mitigate buyback risk. Uh, if it was VOEs and, you know, very late in the process, just before closing, things even they were doing after closing to help mitigate risk. And uh, I, I just think that uh, uh, all in all, it is, uh, and I think that helped, that helped lead to, all in all, I mean, the the buyback reality has been far less than the fear that we all had, right, in early March. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and again, I say that with not wanting to jinx it, to jinx myself. I'm not super, uh, you know, super superstitious, but, um, you know, yeah, I mean, I just, I just think that this industry as a whole has just learned so much from, you know, the 2000s, the early 2000s. And um, I think, I think those of us who were a part of that, we were extra cautious in making sure that we were really making the right decisions by people. So the more general business climate, all right, now we're, you know, we're a month into 2021. Uh, it's been a good start to the year. Rates are still low. Volumes down a little bit, but still good. Um, you know, I think most of the economists uh, projecting 
20, 25% total drop off in volume uh, for the industry for this year. I mean, your growth aside, um, just how do you view 2021? Do you think it's going to be 25% less total volume than last year? Uh, do you, or do you think it'll be more close to the volume that we saw in 2020? I actually think it's going to be closer. The reason I say that is because we still are in a fairly low, you know, interest rate environment. And I do think rates are going to to go up over over the year. I don't think we're going to end where we started. Um, but that being said, is is I think there's still so much opportunity for refinancing to happen. Um, but for those of us who are purchase market driven, I think that 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 if you're focused on your purchase business, you're going to continue to have a really great year. And the reason for that is because, you know, people are starting to go back to work or people are moving and realizing, hey, I'm going to get a second home somewhere because I can work remotely. And I think remote work has really helped that a lot. I think that's going to fuel a lot of, of purchases uh, as well. Um, you know, I can obviously speak to us looking at us, our application volume in January of 2021 versus 2020 was up. Application volume was up 8% and lock volume was up 12% over our, actually over our top lock and application month last year. So even better than our summer by, by eight and 12% respectively. So, you know, I think that, that that's just going to continue to, to prove itself out. Um, and I think that the companies that continue to stay focused on purchase business are the ones that are, are really going to still have an equivalent year to 2020, perhaps a little down, but I, I think it's going to be pretty close. Yeah. I think, you know, Purchase activity in general, it, I think hard to imagine a scenario where there's not more purchase activity in 2021 than there is 2020, just because of, you know, kind of like the delay and you know, we didn't have a lot of that. In the spring. We didn't have your t- typical spring buying season. Uh, again, you look at economists across the industry, the most noted ones uh, projecting anywhere from an eight to 15 to 18% increase in purchase activity, uh, all in all. Uh, but where I think, you know, the optimism is coming from, like you just alluded to, uh, is on the refinance side, that there is still a very large refinanceable, uh, you know, population of people out there. And then also, I think, uh, you know, just the lingering inventory issue that doesn't stand to fix itself anytime soon. Right. I think you have a lot of people are just like, you know, screw it, I'm not paying I'm not bidding against 70 other people for a house and I'm the renovator, maybe improve my own home. And I think you're going to see people take some cash out to do that renovation loans. What do you think about uh, that thesis? I I have to agree with you. I'm a huge fan of renovation loans, especially in an area like Austin where there's very little dirt. So, you know, you've got a lot of older homes that people are are already doing it, but will just continue to come in and just renovate, remodel and, and, and update their homes. I, I love, I love reno loans and I think it's going to continue to be a big deal. What's the one street in Austin? It's got a bunch of cool bars on it. And it's just got like houses. Like, off the <laughs> well, way. I think that the answer that I would give is probably different than you're probably thinking rainy street. If it's rainy, someone with all yeah, of the houses. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Cause, cause it. <laughs> looks like they just plopped that like in the middle of a residential community. Yeah, they like, did. That's like literally what it was. And, that's pretty cool. <laughs> area. So. Yeah. Um, all right. Mortgage technology. You're a very tech forward individual. I'm just curious, like, starting a company in 2020. And like, I mean, just take me through the mindset of assessing technology options, partners, you know, things you were looking at, looking for. I think every mortgage lender, the ones that are on here, the ones that'll watch or listen to this after the fact, everybody's assessing technology on some level. Uh, Really interested in your perspective on, you know, that climate in general and, you know, how how you approach that over the course of the last 15 months here. Yeah. So, you know, my number one decision was my LOS. 
uh, that that was a very big one. And I did not go with the one that is most prominent in this industry for several reasons, you know, and we are very happy with the one that we went to, but really your LOS, because you want so many things to talk to each other, your LOS is the first decision you have to make. So when doing that, it's how easy is it for the loan officer to use and the basic functionality they have to do. But then once you you know your LOS and you know all the different partners, then then the fun starts, right? Because then you kind of know who you can and can't work with. And, you know, for me, it's just, it's, it's ease of use and it's being able to stay, you know, on reliable and consistent. Like if you're breaking constantly or if there's constantly problems with your system. So, you know, that's a huge one. And that's one that I think a lot of technology providers go out there and try to do a lot of cool things and integrate 500 things into things. Um, and what I've found time and time again is, you know, that just is more things to break. And so sometimes, you know, simplicity, the elegance is in simplicity. And so you find a tool that does what you're trying to do and does it really, really well and can stay consistent. Um, and then you can just continue to build on from there. And I would say, you know, uh, my number one uh, vendor for that is is Domo, my business analytics software. And I utilize the help of Richie May. They do um, their, their tech consulting services. They help with that. They're awesome. But my my Domo, they, I actually connect in multiple different uh, services into my BI provider, and it gives me real-time data that combines my financial data, my accounting, plus my LOS, plus my marketing tool, um, building and pricing things. And so really, like, it's having that one hub that's the ability to put everything together that tells you what you need as a leader in the organization so that I can look at one screen and say, okay, this is where I'm seeing the trends go. This is what's happening. This is where I'm seeing things move. And it's looking at everything. Um, that was has been the key. That has actually been like the number one thing that I put in from a technology perspective. That's excellent. Thanks for sharing that. And yeah. I see our buddy uh, Scott Colclaw from Vice Capital Markets puts in the Q&A, Texas MBA, 150th Annual Convention, May 2 to 4. At there you the go. Omni Fort Worth in Fort Worth. Thank Texas. you. I appreciate Thanks uh, for saving me on that. <laughs> Um, all right. What about the technology that's not here yet, Aaron? Um, you know, I think we all know that, you know, TMC, we started an emerging technology fund that launched back in November. It's a vehicle for our members to, uh, you know, assess and potentially invest in not only startup uh, technology companies that are focused in the mortgage space, but even established mortgage technology companies that are looking for later series of funding to do additional things. It's been a very eye-opening exercise for myself, for our members, getting a chance to get kind of a peek under the hood of uh, some of the things that are being worked on uh, that aren't quite here, at least not totally functional or mainstream yet. Um, have you been able to spend any time, given the craziness of what this last 14 months has been for you, you know, assessing that part of the market, like emerging tech and stuff that is is coming our way? Probably not as much as I'd like to, you know, in addition to, you know, all the other things we've have Erla coming up. And unfortunately, what I've heard from a lot of my vendors is they're focused on Erla. And so, you know, a lot of things I've requested for improvements and things like that have been pushed aside because we're told, you know, Erla. So, I'm, you know, I, I've been pretty focused on that. So I'm hoping once we get that, you know, underneath us and we're done, I can get back to looking out for that that latest and greatest because I think there is still a lot of really great things. And honestly, like, I, I just don't feel like I'm a little disappointed in how the industry didn't move so fast with Enos. I thought for sure Enos would be way more prevalent in Ron, especially after, you know, with, with COVID. But, you know, you still, I'm just now getting aggregators come to me saying, hey, we're thinking about dipping our toes in this. And, you know, we're going to issue our first Ron E-note this month. So 
um, you know, that was obviously a big, a big um, thing that I looked at in getting the company started and something that was a very big initiative of mine um, in, in getting the company up and running. I would have thought, though, that COVID would have pushed the industry a little more than it did. I was a little, a little sad to see that. I've uh, got a minute or two left with Aaron D of Loan People here on the last week in Mortgage Today. If anybody has any questions or comments, uh, this would be the time for them. And yeah, I thought for sure, like when the pandemic hit, you know, I was like, oh, you know, a lot of things suck. But one of the things I was like, oh, good. I right, like finally six years of talking about e-notes. Like this is this is the catalyst we need. And it seemed like, you know, states were fast tracking legislation, but it, it really, it did not happen at least as quickly as I thought it would. Yeah, absolutely. It didn't. I mean, and we did have some help. I mean, I think, I actually think this is one where the government did do some good jobs in trying to get it moved on, you know, through the FHFA. Um, they, but, you know, still as, a, as an industry showed, there were some things we were still pretty slow to move on, but again, it was busy. It was crazy resources. All of a sudden, you know, companies who weren't remote had to deal with converting, you know, workforces to being remote and, and that, that occupied IT, IT departments. So, you know, you give grace there, but I definitely would have thought that, that we would be a little bit further along by now. Uh, last question I have for you. We talked about, you know, the, the, assured direction the CFPB is going to be going back in. We talked about Marsha Fudge's appointment uh, as HUD secretary. Uh, anything else just with the change in administrations as somebody that's, you know, kind of managing the day-to-day operations of a mortgage banking company um, that you have your eye on as it relates to a change in administration? I do. So the FHFA is one that I'm also looking at. You know, they just announced that they, you know, they've got a new general counsel in there. And the thing that I've seen come out of FHFA a few times now is that, uh, they want to be um, a world-class regulator and offer us world-class regulatory you know, experience. And honestly, only a bureaucrat would think about a regulator being world-class like that. Just, I don't know why I read that and it just drops my jaw because that means you're trying to come in and make a mark and do something. And I just, you know, coming from a bureaucracy, don't necessarily know that I trust it, that that's really best for the consumer and best for the industry. So um, that's also something I have my eyes on. I could just be being overly critical, but it, uh, it concerns me when I see a, a regulator coming out saying they want to be world-class. Right, right. We Right. A regulator saying they want to be world-class and another regulatory body, you know, using the word aggressive multiple times in their... Uh, <laughs> oh, boy. It's the, 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 the mortgage lending pendulum, it never can stay in the middle. It's here. It's exciting. Like never, <laughs> like just stay here. I don't At least we're it. not in a boring business. <laughs> it, that is the one good thing. It, it never <laughs> stops changing. And every time you think you know what direction it's going in, it takes a left turn somewhere. So, yep. Aaron, thank you so much. Love talking about the business with you. I really appreciate you joining me this week on the last week in mortgage today. Thanks. Go Buccaneers. Go Bucks. Good luck to your Buccaneers on Sunday. We'll all be watching, obviously. And uh, uh, to all of our uh, attendees, thank you for taking some time out with us. Uh, same time, same place every week, 2 p.m. Eastern, uh, every Tuesday, the last week in mortgage today. Thanks and have a great week, everyone. Take care. For more information about how you can get involved with TMC Connect and witness the power of the network firsthand, please visit us at mortgagecollaborative.com.